Welcome to the Table Podcast. We hope what you hear today inspires joy in your heart and causes you to be convinced that God is good and He is for you. Enjoy the message. Let's go to number nine. My spouse can read my mind. My spouse always knows how to make me happy. Just remember that when you get into marriage one day that that your husband can't read your mind, your wife can't read your mind. You actually have to do this thing called communicate. Look at your neighbor and say communicate. Yeah, you have to talk about things. Like stuff doesn't just get better and you aren't just pleased by your spouse just because y'all are soulmates, right? You feeling me? Number eight myth about marriage is that kids will fix. Everybody's supposed to say, oh, you know, like when he reveals the results. Let's try it again. That kids will fix a broken marriage. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you this. If something's dysfunctional, it's going to be dysfunctional with or without kids. And if you bring kids into it, it's just going to be more dysfunctional because now you got power trips, ultimatums, all that kind of good stuff that you don't want. You don't want that passive, aggressive, insecure thing going on when you bring kids into it. Oh, number seven, Cody, why didn't you choose this? Number seven, marriage means dissipating passion or, let's say it together, boring sex. Let's say it together. Or boring sex. Oh, everybody says, ah. Man, y'all don't know how to have fun. Maybe I'm just a maniac. But. <laughs> this is a myth about marriage. We think that when we get into a monogamous, holy relationship with our spouse, that it basically means that there's no more fun. And I want you to know that uh, most of y'all, if you don't want to have sex, I mean, I'll pray for you, but most of y'all want to have sex. I mean, honestly, Is that not true? (laughs) Most of y'all want to have sex, so let's just be honest and get that elephant out of the room. And I've said it before, and they said I said it standing on a chair, so I'll reenact it. Last time I preached, I said the best sex is married sex. Can I get an amen? Do you remember that time? (laughs) And they acted like that was like a big deal that I said that. I'm like, no, I'm living proof of that. Hallelujah. Let's move on. I'm not Pastor Gil Martin. I'm Jeremy Lowe. Come on, don't judge me. Listen, guys, best sex happens in marriage because God created a man and a woman. He created the institution of marriage. If he designed marriage, he knows how it works. And when he puts two people in covenant, there's trust, there's emotional health, there's vulnerability, there's love, there's passion, there's intimacy. And that's where, let's just talk about it, that's where all the magic happens. It doesn't happen in one night stands where there's no beauty, where there's no romance, where there's no emotional health. And so, men, I'm just going to go ahead and give this to you. Just when you get married doesn't mean sex is going to be great. Pursue the heart of your wife and pursue and serve that woman because in that space, that's when it gets more beautiful. Amen. I mean, this is PG. Okay. Can I get an Amen. Number six, we already went through, we'll say it again, the wife does all the work while the husband gives the orders. That is definitely not true, even though I've never cooked a meal um, in my married life. My wife always cooks, but I do things like sweep the floor, uh, bathe the dog, spank the kids. (laughs) Okay, number five, we said that a myth is that marriage is only hard work or all work with no joy. Let's be honest, anything that's going to be beautiful, you're going to have to, like, give intentionality to it. But it's not all about work. It does have joy in it. I mean, if it was all about work, why would we even want to be married? I mean, that's just dumb. 
Like when you marry your best friend, and that's what a marriage is, is two people that are best friends that come into covenant with each other, with the Holy Spirit in the middle, that have benefits. <laughs> you're friends with benefits, you're just married. You know what I'm saying? Anybody know what I'm saying? There's joy in that. If there's not joy in that, come talk to me, and I'll counsel you men. And you can talk to my wife. She'll, she'll give you some good tips, woman. Okay. Amen. <laughs> Man, y'all are so frozen. I did not come frozen tonight. Number four, this is just going to be the whole message. We're going to do away with the message. This part was supposed to be like 30 seconds. Anyways, number four is that my, my spouse will change after we get married. Everybody say, ah, oh. yeah, that one. Don't get married to a fixer-upper. Don't get married to somebody thinking that you're going to be the Holy Spirit and convict them of faith or integrity or honor. What they bring into marriage, they'll have to deal with in marriage. So don't marry a fixer-upper. Marry somebody that has integrity. Marry somebody that uh, loves you and honors you and pursues you and uh, keeps their hands to themselves um, as long as you guys are dating. And so, yeah, that's just a good idea because they're not going to change after they get married. Whatever you bring into marriage, you'll have to deal with in marriage. Number three, we already talked about that marriage will solve your problems or that marriage will make you happy, okay? Because it won't do that. It'll just exaggerate whatever's already there. Number two, this is a marriage myth, is that marriage is all about sex. So there's two sides of that myth. One side is, is that, that, that sex is terrible once you get married, and then you really wish that you weren't in the marriage. But the other side of that is thinking that, hey, when we get married, it's all going to be about sex, and sex is going to be great. And you bring a lot of expectations into the marriage, but you have to let God define those expectations, and you have to let God define what honor and patience and goodness and touch looks like for your marriage because it's not all about sex. I mean, I'll be honest. Uh, sex is something that really blesses the marriage. It brings two people into greater intimacy um, because that's what God made for the consummation of marriage between a man or a woman. But let me say this. It's not all about sex. You still have to wash dishes, and you don't have sex while you're washing dishes. Wow, I just went there. You still have to, you still have to sweep the floor. You still have to, like, spank kids, buy diapers, pay bills. Can I get a witness, okay? You feeling me? Yeah, I just said that, but it was kind of funny, but it was just totally out of context. And number one, we've already talked about that the first year of marriage is hell. How many think that that deserved to be the number one marriage myth? Yeah? Shout out what you think. Well, never mind. They're not all up there. Never mind. Shout out just the, the thought for you that would be number one. Just shout it out. I want to hear. Marriage is all about sex. What? What do you think should be number one? Number three. What was number three? Throw number three up there. Siobhan thinks that number three, marriage will make you happy. Oh, yeah, that could have been number one for sure. I just hate that I chose, I hate this thought because I chose for number one to be that marriage, the first year of marriage is like hell because it makes us not really want to get married. Like we have big kid desires sexually, but, uh, but then we don't want to get married because we think that marriage is going to be like hell. Big kid desires, <laughs> I just said that, like big kid desires, if you know what I'm talking about, we're talking about sex. Those big kid desires are supposed to operate in the parameters of Holy Covenant. So, yeah. So don't think that the first year of marriage is hell. Recognize that you're growing in God. Recognize that God has a call in your life. Recognize that you have desires. And then place those desires in the boundaries and in the parameters that God can actually bless. Can I get a witness? The first year of marriage isn't hell. I don't know how it could be hell if you marry your best friend and then you have benefits and then you honor and love each other and you make really pretty babies. 
<laughs> that was supposed to be funny, but maybe y'all want some ugly babies. <laughs> but I looked at my woman, I said, you will have pretty babies, girl. And they will have more hair than their daddy. <laughs> but they will have my body. <laughs> and my wife that's on Facebook Live, she said, Amen. <laughs> Jacob, you can't Facebook Live me in here, bro. This ain't me preaching to the entire church. This is me preaching to a bunch of Jesus freaks. Can I get a witness? Yeah. Y'all having fun yet? Yeah. Did you take notes? Well, that's the message. So, Siobhan, <laughs> she know me better than that. Only problem is I don't know if I never get through of any message. But let's, let's try to get through this message. Let's see what happens. Open your Bibles tonight. Some of y'all are like, well, I did think that was a message. Like, this dude is about to be super long-winded. Yeah, you might be right. <laughs> Open your Bibles to Corinthians chapter 13. You know, I just believe that God is fun. I believe that God is joyful. Actually, as I was in prayer today, you might want to write this down. The Lord says, your level of joy is determined by your level of perceiving my joyfulness over you. Like, you can have joy only to the degree that you perceive his joy. Because joy is something that belongs to God. And so I, I like to have fun. I like to have joy. And I'm just going to be honest. If you know me, I'm pretty competitive. There's two things that my wife can't do together. That's play music or play volleyball. Because, like, in music, I'm, like, kind of competitive. Like, I want to kick the devil in the face. And she's, like, trying to figure the chords. I'm, like, girl, just play. Anyways, in volleyball, I'm telling her what to do the whole time. Like, don't do that. Do this. Mallory knows what I'm talking about. I had to ditch Dana from Mallory in volleyball. And she really holds a grudge against you, Mallory. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Mallory's like a sister to us. Me and Mallory hung a TV in my living room, and it took like three hours to hang that TV. And it's really because Mallory messed the whole thing up. Anyways, <laughs> to say all that is to say, man, I'm competitive. I'm competitive. I'm competitive. Like, I'm competitive with marriage. I'm competitive with life. I'm competitive with how I look, how I feel. Um, and I don't want to say that in a bad way. I think that God has ingrained all of us with, like, a pride that gives him glory, not a pride that's like, look at me, I'm the man, but like, look at me, I'm God's child. And so for marriage, if God says it can be the best and this is what I designed and this is what I instituted, I want nothing less than heaven, as much of heaven I can have on this side of earth. Or much of heaven I can have on this side of heaven, if that makes sense. So it's like, why settle for less? I mean, I know that like people think that marriage is hell, but mine's like heaven. So I want to talk to you about that tonight. And tonight, honestly... I don't think that uh, I'm going to tell you a lot of things that maybe you were expecting to hear. I don't know what you're expecting to hear. But I'm not going to tell you things that are going to educate your head. I Hopefully, I will tell you things that's going to draw your heart. Because if I fill your head, you can go get a book on marriage and learn about all the things. And there's so many theologians that know all about God, but they don't love Jesus. There's so many marriage counselors that can count you in marriage, but they don't have a good marriage. So... I don't really care to feed your head or to make you walk out of here being like, wow. I care to encourage your heart so that the Holy Spirit will draw you into Christ's conformity because everything that Jesus touches and everything that he's the center of is beautiful. So that's really... <laughs> Ring that bell. Ring my bell. You can ring my bell. My wife sings... No, never mind. That's terrible. So why do we want to talk about relationships? The, the first little thing that I want to throw up there is 
Why do we want to talk about them? Is because we were made for relationship. This is why we want to talk about them. Because if we don't do relationships right, then we, then we don't do life right. And life is made for the glory of God. We were made to, um, to give out the glory of God, the person of God in the earth. I'm sure that Siobhan covered this whole aspect of we were made for relationship. I'm pretty sure she covered it in the first session in a profound way. So for me to even touch that topic is just going to make me look foolish. <laughs> so I'm not going to touch it because Siobhan's amazing. But we were made for relationship because we were made in the image of God. And God is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That means God is relationship, and he's totally happy within the relationship that he has between himself. I'm not going to explain the Trinity this afternoon. Can I get a witness? But let's just say, everybody say, God is happy. You see, for God to be love, he has to love someone, so he loves himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is relational. And because we're made in the image of God, we're made for relationship, and we're, we're relational. It's not wrong to seek the desire or the pleasure of relationship. It's not wrong. There are certain desires that God has given you that you can't repent of. You can't repent of wanting to be relational, but you can choose to do relationship right. You can't repent of saying, well, well, I'm just, I'm just going to be so holy that I'm above relationship. If you want to be a eunuch or whatever it calls in the Bible, I'm just saying, I don't want to be that. But if you want to be that, hey, grace to you. I'm sorry. I shouldn't go there like that. But hey, grace to you. Praise God. But if you want to be in a relationship that gives God glory, that is for his glory and your good, would you raise your hand in this room? If you want to be in a sustainable, beautiful relationship that you and, I want to see hands raised, that you and your spouse can make a difference in the earth. Okay, so we have almost a majority here. Well, I mean, I saw the eunuch in the back, but. <laughs> Caleb Tubes. <laughs> I know, I'm so wrong. Good thing Steven Taylor isn't in here. I already probably jabbed at him like 10 times. You can't repent of being a relational person. You see, you have certain desires like you want um, to be known, fully known, but not have shame. You want to be loved. You want to be great. You want to make a difference. These are desires that you can't repent of. But we can channel these desires in a way that brings God glory and channel these desires in a way that keeps us safe, sane. I said sane. And happy. Everybody say happy. happy. Say safe, safe. Sane, sane, and happy. You cannot repent of the desire to be re being relational and actually seeking pleasure. The word Eden itself means pleasure. The Bible tells us in Psalm 16, at the right hand of the Lord is what forevermore? So when did God become the party pooper, guys? When was Christianity a religion to sign up for that all the goodness of sex, joy, good music. I was about to say rock and roll, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Excuse me. Don't do drugs. <laughs> It'll jack you up. <laughs> but if you want to have sex, it's in the marriage that God blesses that thing. Amen? It's going to be on the screen. God's way is about keeping the fun. God's way isn't about keeping the fun out. It's about keeping the fun in. I need an amen for that. Now, when I was writing this message yesterday, the Lord said, tell them that my way isn't about keeping the fun out. It's about keeping the fun in. <clears throat> tell them that I'm pro-pleasure. There's things that I've placed in them that only I can fulfill. And when you put
put it inside of covenant, when you put it inside of my character, my will, my way, my word, my passion, my love, my honor, you will flourish because you can't help to flourish. Now I'm about to get crazy. Let's just... I ain't got the Holy Ghost in me. What I got in that cup? I got living water, baby. You see, this is how I preach for two hours. I want to quote uh, a theologian, A.W. Tozer. It's going to be on the screen as we talk about the Lord giving us these desires. Tozer says, but be sure that human feelings can never be completely, everybody say, stifled. You see, what you want and what you desire and what God intrinsically put in you, those feelings can never be completely stifled. If desires are forbidden, their normal course, somebody say, what happens? Like a river, they will cut another channel through the life of that person and flow out to curse, ruin, and destroy. It's good stuff, huh? Why don't you throw it back up there and just kind of let it go slow for anybody. Go back to the first slide for anybody that might want to write that down. You see, we inherently remember satisfaction from the garden. We remember Pleasure. We remember freedom deep in our soul. We remember life, and we remember life without shame when Adam and Eve were naked in the garden without shame. And we're all seeking to get back there, but the thing is, is that we have to guard and guide the river of our desires so that they're sustainable for our good and for God's glory. Happy, safe, and sane. Let's just be honest. Sex is good, but sex with everyone isn't good. Sex is good, but sex outside of marriage isn't good. I actually, Lord, help me not go here, but I just already went there. I heard him talking on the news yesterday, 6 o'clock news. Oh, Lord, why did I say this? But let's just be honest. They said that Shreveport has the highest rate of uh, STDs in, um, in Louisiana, but I think they might have said in the country. Lord, help me. Lord, bless Shreveport in the name of Jesus. Give them a holy all wonder and fear of your name. In Jesus' name, I'm being serious. Guys, sex out of marriage is not safe, happy, and sane. But you, we have big boys and big girls' desires, and so the Lord wants for us to guide and to guard these desires so that they're sustainable for God's glory. I know I just talked about an STD, and I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And if anybody in here does have an STD, I just declare right now in the name of Jesus, you are free. The curse of Adam is broken, and and the blessing of Jesus Christ is upon you. You are free to be free. You're free to love. You're free to be healed. You're free to be known. Amen. Amen. Y'all know I'm for real. Is that Stephen Taylor? (laughs) That come on sounded like Stephen Taylor. I I was about to run the aisles. Jesus is the life, the joy, the way, the love, the creator, the source, the wonder. He's the good. Bring your desires to him, knowing that he authored those desires, and he wants to give you discernment, and he wants you to taste and to see that he is true. 
Jesus is the safest and the only truly safe place to bring the desires that you have in this season of your life. Lay those desires at his feet. Trust your heart to him and let him bring those about for your good and for his glory in that time. He is the safe place. Jesus, not religion, is the place to take your fears, your love, and your desires to receive his best. Quoting Augustine, it's on the screen. Hey, you can love God, and guess what you can do? You can do whatever you please. For the soul that's trained in love to God will do nothing to offend the one who is beloved. Stop working on not having sex and start working at looking at the one who crafted you in your mother's womb, who can fulfill every desire. Fall in love with him and stop micromanaging your desires and your failures and your fears. Like, I hate to say this, get over yourself. Get over myself. Recognize what God is doing in your life. Bring those things to God. And the soul that's trained to love God will do nothing to offend the one who's beloved. Relationships are something that we all do. And there's only two ways to do them, the right way or the wrong way. So somebody asked the question, so how do we do them right? Especially when it comes to the most important physical flesh and blood relationship we'll ever have. Everybody say marriage. So I'm about to go now into my broken record rant. Who's ever heard me go into my broken record rant? Come on, a couple people. (laughs) Dylan said, yes, I've heard you go into your broken record rant. Thank you, Dylan, for being honest. I know you love me. And you knew I was preaching, and you still came back, even though you know I'd go to my broken record rant. So thank you. Love you. Oh, Nick Pleasant, I forgot to tell everybody. Uh, Green Bay Packers are number one. So... So let's go into my broken record rant as we talk about how do we have this closest, most intimate relationship in flesh and blood? How do we do this happy, safe, and sane? So here's my rant. Somehow I've come to believe that God's love is the center out of which everything else beautiful and sustainable flows. Somehow I've come to believe through experience that God's love is the center by which everything else revolves around his love, everything that is sustainable, holy, and beautiful. So often we think we have relationship problems when really we just have a cultivation of our heart problem. I'm going to say that again. You need to bring your heart to a relationship, a heart that is fully affirmed and satisfied in God. We think we have relationship problems, but we're just selfish. Can we just be honest? If you bring selfishness and pettiness and pride into a relationship, it will destroy that relationship. You bring Jesus into that relationship, and you will see the anointing of heaven flow upon that relationship. Let me say this. If it's hard relationally, God's probably not in it, or we're not flowing under the blessing or the government of God in it. God told me recently, he said, Jeremy, life's hard. I'm not. You better write that down. Life's hard. I'm not. So I'm just going to go there with marriage. Life is hard. Marriage isn't. Write that down. If it's hard then you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because when people think that they have marriage problems, most commonly they don't have a marriage problem. They have a relationship with God problem. That's just real. Can I get a witness? That is good. It's good cooking. I ain't even a cook and I'm cooking good. (laughs) 
I know Siobhan's free, but y'all see, yeah, she's my sister, and I know she's free, but I'm a different kind of, I'm the same kind of free, but I'm just, I'm like free on like Christian crack or something. <laughs> Don't quote me on that. Oh, Lord, help me. I wish, I wish we were all free. Because then we would just cause a holy riot out there. We'd be up in the club, like loving these people in the club, not like being tempted by these people. No, I mean, we go there. Sorry, sorry, sorry. X that idea. Somebody said, you came out of Egypt, but Egypt didn't come out of you. That's why you keep wanting to go back to Egypt. Because your heart isn't trained in the way of love. Your heart is not satisfied in the person of God who's clearly seen. Who is Jesus Christ? Sorry, I'm rambling. Let's get back to the notes. It's better. It's more, more safe if I read. Don't go after marriage. Go after God. Don't go after relationship. Go after the Zoe life of God. Let God be the centrality of all that you do. If I'm going for a good marriage that is full of joy, pleasure, passion, faithfulness, and longevity, I really need to go after the God. But who designed it? The God who set this whole thing in operation. Marriage will not ultimately work with two incomplete, fractured, broken people who are seeking an idol that has now become marriage. Marriage will not fix you, although it does have the capacity to break you. Marriage doesn't do away with brokenness. It magnifies it and exaggerates it when the flesh gets involved. And then the devil comes up in on that thing and he starts condemning the heck out of us. And before we know it, we had expectations that aren't met. We have feelings, disappointments, failures, condemnation. You just tell the devil, kick him in the teeth and tell him where he can go. Marriage is not for two kids that think that they lust each other or that they love each other. Marriage is for adults that say, look, I have big boy desires, but I have a big God who I'm rooted and grounded in. And like, I want to touch you, Dana, but you're not my wife. And so I'm going to pursue your heart as I pursue the heart of God. Because on our wedding night, there's going to be stuff to explore that ain't never been explored before. Can I get a witness? I don't know what y'all came up in here for. But we're going to keep it PG. But I'm going to speak the truth in Jesus' name. I'm not going to elaborate on that either. My wife just texted me before I came. What would she say? I don't, don't, Will. I sent it to my buddies. She said, hey, keep it PG tonight. So what did she say? I don't know what she said. I'm like, all right, baby. I just sent the little emoji like the angel with the halo. <laughs> I got you, girl. <laughs> Marriage is going to take two whole, complete, satisfied people who are identified with God more than anything else. Okay, so the first big point. Lord, help me. First big point. It's on the screen. The first big point, we only have two big points, and there are a lot of little points, but, like, I'm under Siobhan, I really am, but I started this thing, so. <laughs> I know I'm cutting up. I ain't been this free in a while. All these old people, like, trying to stifle me, trying to put me in a box. <laughs> like I'm some kind of fox, but I ain't. Let's get back to the screen. Before dating, during dating, before engagement, during engagement, before marriage and during marriage. Seek to be conformed into the image of love. This is premier. 
This is priority. So many times we come into relationship, we think we have relationship problems, but we really have a cultivation of the heart problem. We come to church, we check off mental boxes, mental ascents, and then we let somebody fill our head with good stuff, sometimes not so good stuff, I don't know, and then we think that we're grown in God, but we never do the heart work. Jesus tells us in Matthew 13, he says, guys, there's four types of soil. Whoever told you that you were the good soil? Ooh. Ooh. Cultivate your heart. We bring selfishness to the table. We bring demand to the table instead of servanthood and humility to the table of relationship. And that other stuff that's the fruit of the flesh seen in Galatians 5, that stuff is not going to fly in marriage. And let me just say this. Men, if you want a queen in the kingdom, God's never going to give a queen of the kingdom to a little boy in the world. If you want the heart of a queen, you're going to have to cultivate the heart of a king. Don't ask for stuff and permission. You're playing way outside your league, and you ain't got no authority, no permission. And that girl that's got discernment, she can see that a mile away, and so can her pastor. Yep. Come on, keep that nugget up there, because I want people to dwell in that. Because I just covered it all. Before dating, during dating, before engagement, during engagement, before marriage, and during marriage, seek to be conformed to the image of love. Another way to say it is, your calling isn't relationship. Your calling is to be like Jesus. Your calling isn't marriage. Your calling is to be love. Decide that you will choose to be conformed into the image of love. Every day, you choose how you're going to steward your heart. Nobody else is going to steward your heart for you. It's nobody's place to be the Holy Spirit for you. You don't know what's going on in my head. You can hear what's coming out of my mouth. You can see what type of fruit that I'm bearing in my life with my home and my family and my kids. But at the end of the day, it's you that decides, will I dwell on negative things? Will I dwell on lust? Will I? It's you to decide how you're going to steward your heart. The Lord says, where sin abounds, guess what abounds much more? Grace abounds much more. Now, how are you going to own that grace, receive that grace, enjoy that grace, appropriate that grace in your lifestyle, in your confession, in your thoughts? Nobody can be the Holy Spirit for you every day. I get to choose how I want to steward my heart. Every day I get the chance to let the Holy Spirit refine me in the attitude and the posture and the action of love. And guess what? We're at Corinthians 13, aren't we? Sorry. Guess what I begin to realize? And I've said this at the table a thousand times. The best fruit to eat is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the world is nasty, it's rotten, and it ain't no good. I begin to find when I'm not having joy, it's because... I get miserable without the confession and the agreement and the worship of Jesus because I'm ruined for lesser things. Guys, if you try to go back to the world, it's not going to work. Don't have so much of Jesus that you can't, you have so much of the world that you can't enjoy Jesus, but just enough of Jesus that you can't enjoy the world. Come into who He is. He is for you, not against you. Steward your heart. Accountability is not me looking over Jacob's back and trying to be the Holy Spirit for him. Accountability is him bringing his weaknesses to me, laying hands on one another as we confess our sins so that we may be healed, and me affirming him and his sonship in God. It's not me cultivating his heart for him. Can I get a witness? 
Corinthians 13, it's on the screen. I would actually love for you to follow along on the screen because I'm using Siobhan's new translation that she loves. By a show of hands, if you're okay, just kind of like barely, like kind of barely put your hand up just a little bit. Okay, if you're more than okay, like put your hand in there like, yeah. Okay, so we got about maybe like 75%, so that's permission. <coughs> Corinthians 13, verse 1, if I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to a hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, dude, if I was walking in revelation knowledge, and if I possessed unending supernatural prophetic knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, we're talking miracles here, the man of power for the hour, if I had all of that, but never learned to love. Let's say that together. But never learned to love. Let's say it together. But never learned to love, then I'm what? Ah, oh, that learn to love sounds like an opportunity. And if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I own to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr, like if I was like a humanitarian, I'm just like, hey, everything's going to be good. And I'm just, whatever. Praise God. But without the pure ambition, motive, desire of love, I would gain, help me out, nothing of value. I love there in verse 2, the opportunity. Will you learn to love? Choose not to be identified with any label, style, person, relationship, or even religion above love. Love is the reason to live, and it's the invitation of God to know him and to make him known. God the Trinity is love. God is relationship. God abides in the perfect peace of love. Seek no other identifying thing in your life above being conformed into the image of love. This is where the good is. This is where the glory is. That's why the Bible says taste and see that God is good. Because once you taste, you begin to realize that you can never go back. And I'll be honest, man. Our Christian life is not always just straight ahead. Sometimes it's crooked and it's jagged because the Holy Spirit is unlearning us, if I can say that. He's teaching us the better way of the truth of God. But in your process, have your heart open to the Lord. Give those desires to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm yours. I know this might sound a little philosophical. But men, there is a season, I believe, that the Lord says, you're no longer a boy and you're a man. Come and let me train you in my ways. And there's a line of demarcation that we begin to say, look, I used to be a boy. I used to play women. I used to chase girls. I used to always be about my style. I used to always be about the approval of man. But there's a time where the Holy Spirit begins to rise up within us. And I don't want to be like, there's a time, time, time. But you know what I'm saying? There, I believe there's a season where the Holy Spirit begins to minister to you young men. And you begin to say, I am made for relationship. I'm made to honor a woman. I'm made to be handsome, beautiful, charming, strong, courageous, and full of integrity. And you begin to say, Lord, I give you this season. I'll let you mold and take my heart. And on the other side of that obedience comes beauty and sustainability. As I said, happy, safe, and sane. Do not hear the voice of the Lord and just stiff arm God and say, but it's, I like it better this way. No, you don't. I mean, y'all know when I preach, I boast sometimes. A lot of people want what I got. But not a lot of people want to give what I've given. 
Paul said in Corinthians 15.10, it's by grace that I am what I am. It's by grace that I am what I am. I worked more than them all, yet not but the grace of God that labors within me. I'm laboring with the Holy Spirit. I'm choosing what I meditate on. I'm choosing what I give my eyes to. I'm choosing what I browse on my smartphone. I'm choosing. The Holy Spirit isn't choosing that for me. But yet, while I'm making the choosing, He's inviting me into repentance and the better thing. It's not based on the punishment of God, but it's based on the happy invitation of a God that makes all things good for His glory and our good. Come on, can I get a witness? My Lord, I'm sweating now. Hallelujah. I know. If I were to have the title of a pastor, but I didn't have love, it doesn't mean a hill of beans. If I were to have the title of a small group leader or an up-and-coming leader at the table, but I wasn't being conformed to the image of love, it means nothing. If I were even to be in Bible college, but wasn't desiring the love nature of Jesus, that that study means nothing. If everyone thought that I was ultra talented because I sing like the dude of Passenger, oh, you let her go, whatever, sorry. If people thought that I was anointed, but I didn't have love, that anointing means nothing because your, 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 your talent can't take you where your character can't hold you. If I had 5,000 followers on Facebook and Instagram and the most engagements, even on my spiritual posts, but I don't have the desire to love the crap out of people, it means nothing. Wow. Yeah, I just put that crap in there. If I have the best-looking Instagram photos and stories that would make anyone jealous, even putting Jesus captions all over them, but I don't have love, it means nothing. God is so good. I'm so arrayed in his beauty. Yes, you are. (laughs) Unfollow. (laughs) You know I've been going there for a long time. I ain't got to come back here next week, even though I will be. I ain't got to deal with y'all. But I know how she rolls. I know how this holy woman of God rolls. My Jesus. You got to put the Jesus caption in there. Sometimes they put, men and women put scriptures that don't even make sense with the, with the picture. I'm like, girl, the devil is a lie. <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about. That's why y'all laughing. If I had the best relationship, the best looking relationship around that everyone really envied, but I don't have love, that best relationship and that little charm and beauty means nothing. If I get the girl or the guy of my dreams, but I'm not willing to conform into the image of love, what does that even matter? If I have the most glorious wedding that my dad spends 50K on, but I don't have the foundation of love in my marriage, the ceremony means nothing. Can I get a witness? We have falling in love with the idea of marriage and we fall in love with Jesus and marriage. We make it an idol and we spend everything on it and we build all this stuff up so everybody will think we're something. And from heaven's perspective, God's like, but are you, are you journeying with me in the conformity? Are you cultivating your heart to be able to love a man or a woman like I love you? Because that's the only thing that matters. Cody, am I preaching? Is this all right? Hi. All right, we good then. If you're good, I'm good. You name it. 
Any pursuit that isn't rooted in love's desire and ambition, it becomes fruitless. It exposes itself. Go the way of love. Don't shortcut love because love is the character and the person of God. There's only one way forward, and that's being conformed into the image of love. What it looks like on the outside doesn't matter. It's who we are becoming that matters, not what it looks like. Thank you, God, for your grace upon my life. On my life. Thank you, Father. Man, there's times that I have good prayer times. There's times that I just have bad prayer times. There's times that I'm feeling God. There's times that I'm not feeling God. But at the end of the day, I say, Jesus is Lord. And this is what has changed my life. It's not about my faithfulness, but it's about me continually recognizing his faithfulness that actually makes me a faithful man to my wife. I'm going to throw this up there because I thought it was kind of a tongue twister. It's something about what you want. But we're talking about being conformed to the image of love. It doesn't matter if you get what you think you want. Because what you think you want won't ultimately be what you want in the end. Because what you really want is what love brings. It doesn't matter what you think you want. Because what you think you want won't ultimately be what you want in the end because what you really want is what love brings. I've married like probably a hundred couples and I've never seen the girl coming down in her, in, her, in, her, in her beautiful gown and her makeup that they spent caboodles of money on and this feast that we're all about to eat and they're crying and everything. And then she looks at him and she's like, this is really beautiful. But you know, in, in 2.5 years, we're going to be divorced. <laughs> that never happens. That never happens. But we put so much investment in things that aren't God, in, that, are, that are for people, that are people-pleasing and that are us-pleasing. Instead of building upon the foundation of Christ's conformity, your Instagram-worthy relationship, it doesn't matter. Your title doesn't matter. Your ministry doesn't matter. Your talent doesn't matter. Your smoking hot wife doesn't matter. Love matters, and love is the authority. I'm sorry. I went there. I'm so thankful for my wife. I think she's beautiful, but she's my wife. And I like the way she covers her body, by the way. Moving on. My wife isn't smoking out to you. She's only smoking out to me. I like the way she covers her body. (laughs) Praise God. Oh, my Lord, it's 8.50. All right, part two will continue next week. Toops, you're off the hook. I mean, we really could. The most worthy pursuit of your life will be to know the love of God and in knowing that love to be conformed into the image of that love. And being conformed into the image of that love to be able to give that love away to a world as a, the world as a free gift. The most worthy pursuit of your life will be to know the love of God and in knowing that love to be conformed into the image of that love, that you might be able to give that love away to the world as a free gift. It's on the screen. Christians aren't the ones who know it all. Christians aren't the one who have it all. Christians aren't the ones who can do it all, guys. Christians are the ones who follow Jesus into the conformity of love. It's not about knowing it all, having it all, and being it all. It's about our hearts being saying yes to Jesus and on the journey. Guys, where you are, and I'm going to close right now because, like, it's like I always do this. Help me, Lord. I always, like, this wasn't a long message, but I like to have fun too. Everybody okay? What was I talking about here? It's about to say something really cool. And it will not come back, and I know it won't. 
the bell, would it help? <laughs> no, it's not a magic bell. It's just the bell that, that declares the flow of the river. You coming up? Hey, the music might help. Come on, give me just like this huge pad and the angels will descend. I'm going to say that again. You knowing it all, it's, it really doesn't even matter. Like stop filling your head and cultivate your heart. Having it all won't make you happy. Doing it all and like being the best minister and like busy, that's not where the fruit is. But the ones who follow Jesus into the conformity of love, that's what really matters. The next point that we're not going to cover is that we do marriage for the glory of God. That's like a really big point. That's point two. And we might continue next week. I don't know if I have that permission after this week. I, I cut up a little too much. But we could do like the apostles did when they were trying to name the disciple to place, replace Judas. We could just roll the dice and be like, all right, Lord. <laughs> Like I said, I hope that this message has ministered to you tonight because it's not a bunch of information. It's an invitation to be known right now as you're fully known, yet not rejected. God isn't mad at you. Write this down. God has never been your problem. He's not going to start being your problem today. Sin has been our problem. And the lies of the devil that bring condemnation, that's been our problem. And we've been willing to live under those lies and under that sin because what sin does is it makes God little and us big. But when sin finds where it actually fits under the power of grace, six feet deep in the ground, it never got up. Sin loses its grip and we find the better thing. I want to say this. Unbelief leaves when belief comes. Fear leaves when love comes. Darkness leaves when the lights turn on. So I just challenge you that I know what I was, maybe I know what I was going to say. I don't know where you are in your walk. But what I do know is that the Holy Spirit wants to give you grace to steward your next decision. The Bible tells us in Romans 6 that sin leads to further lawlessness. And we used to be slaves of sin. And so the avalanche was trending towards sin, towards lawlessness, towards not being happy, safe, and sane. But then the Bible tells us that grace leads to righteousness, which leads to sanctification, which leads to eternal life. Are you seeing what I'm saying? When you're living in sin, sin is easy, even though it really shows itself not to be fun. It's easy to continue to go that direction because you're trending in that direction. But child of God, I want to tell you the direction that you are meant to trend in is grace, righteousness, sanctification, eternal life. And once that ball gets rolling, you can't stop the ball from rolling because now you are under a new paradigm, a new Lord. You're not under the taskmaster of fear, sin, the devil. You're not even under the taskmastery of God because God doesn't want to control you. He wants to love you. This is good stuff. So I don't care where you are in your life right now. You're not where I am. Been married for 12 years. Me and my wife were doing good. Get that out of your out of your mind. You're not where Cody is. You're not where Will and Siobhan are. Get that out of your mind. You're where you are, and God delights in where you are. He delights in the raw material of your heart. And he says, let me invite you just a step closer. Will you begin to participate in love? And the Bible says, he who loves has fulfilled the law. Oh, man. Owe no one anything except to love, for he who loves has fulfilled the law. So take a step.
towards obedience that's birthed out of love, not out of fear, because obedience that is birthed out of fear cannot sustain itself, but obedience that is based out of love, the fruit and the reaping and the journey is all about love. I'm not looking to get a, to get a wife. I'm just in love with the God of love. I'm not looking for the end. Jesus is the means and the end and the process. So everywhere I go, I get to just smear him all around my world. I get to participate in his heart. And in that place, I'm fully affirmed. If you're not fully affirmed and you seek the affirmation of another, that affirmation will break you when it ceases. They praised Jesus coming into Jerusalem. And three days later, they put him on a cross. I think it's Lecrae that said, if you live by the... By the praise of man, you'll die by the rejection of man. So where are you? God isn't saying, do you, you've been sinning for so long. Buck up or else. God never plays with ultimatum, fear or shame. God always starts with the finished work because Jesus isn't going back to the cross for your shame. He dissolves your shame, and he says, this is where I always start. Conversations with God never begin with who you're not. It always begins with who you are in him. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Here at the table, we are discovering Jesus together. If you were encouraged by today's message, do us a favor and subscribe to this podcast. That way you never miss out on future episodes. Also, help us get the word out by sharing this podcast on your preferred social media platform. To keep up on what's happening in our community, you can follow us on Facebook at The Table or on Instagram at The Table CCLA.